listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Join the staff of the Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. the Batman Universe commentaries, and we are bringing you more animated TV episodes for your delightment. Joining me today I have with me... This is Donovan. This is John. This is Ed. And we are bringing you the second episode of Batman the Animated Series that we have covered, and it is Fire from Olympus. Uh, handpicked by Mr. John Roke, so we will be doing this one. And obviously we have more coming, so if you have ideas or suggestions of ones that you'd like to see us do, be sure to email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. So before we begin, um, this obviously was a uh, new take on Maxi Zeus since he never really appeared in any of the animated series, and for the most part he was a fairly recent character. Um, so what were your guys' expect- expectations going into this episode? Um... Well, this is not an episode that I usually go back and see uh, whenever I go, I go watch my DVDs. Although, I do like this episode. Um, I was a bit too young to have real expectations when I first saw it. Um, I saw this version of Maxi Zeus before I read about him in the comic books. And um, as, we'll, as we'll talk about in the comic books, uh, it will be interesting to compare and contrast um, through the commentary, uh, Maxi Zeus in animated form in this show compared to Maxi Zeus as he was portrayed in a in um, you know Batman and Detective Comics, so um, I I remember liking this episode. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, I remember the animation being really nice, and uh, my expectations are not say extremely high, but uh, pretty positive. Um, I I didn't watch uh, Batman the Animated Series when it came around first time. It was only after I got into Batman that I started actually watching it. So I was introduced to Maxi Zeus first before this episode through. Batman and the Outsiders number 14 in which uh, Batman and the Outsiders have to take on Maxi Zeus in Olympic style games to basically rescue uh, I can never pronounce her name Lassiana Nistrochris I think is how you pronounce it and uh, so that it was a very uh, goofy ridiculous take on on sort of all the characters it was uh, as to be expected at the time um, outlandish and a bit silly uh, so I that pretty much introduced me to the character and, and actually made me really like him um, so watching this episode I, I had sort of high expectations that it would be cheesy and, and sort of ridiculous but at the same time sort of give a brand new take on the character that, that we hadn't seen before and that the animated series sort of does very well. So those are my that's with my expectations anyway. I went into this episode looking forward to it because I'm one of the few people probably that prefers when we get to see the characters that aren't as you know predominant in the Batman universe. Um, we all get to see the Joker and the Penguin and the Riddler. So I always really look forward to when we have any of the uh, B, C, or D list wherever you put Maxi Zeus at on your on your personal Batman's villain list. When we get to see characters that are a little deeper into the well. 
than normal. So I was really looking forward to this as getting to see one of those lesser-known characters on screen. Yes, and for me, I was introduced uh, to Maxi Zeus in uh, the Batman in the actual Batman line of comics. Um, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. I know it was around between 470 and 490, but uh, that's where I first heard and saw Maxi Zeus in the comics, and then I saw this episode years later. Um, that I, I honestly, when I heard Maxi Zeus was going to be in Batman the Animated Series, I thought it was really cool, just because I like seeing a lot of the characters that you normally don't expect to pop up inside of animated TV series. You know, we expect the Joker, we expect the Riddler, we expect even Ra's al Ghul, but Maxi Zeus is a character that would classify as one of those people that you would not expect them to actually spend the time to do in animated form. That's another reason why I'm looking forward to the upcoming Beware the Batman, because they are supposed to be focusing on villains that have never actually been focused on inside of the animated episodes ever. So I think uh, going into this episode, I was I was really excited to see their take on a character that, you know, it wasn't necessarily super popular. So, all right, so with that, make sure you grab all your snacks, and we are going to queue up our DVDs to exactly 000, and we will start in 3, 2, 1. I literally have a tray of cookies. Do you really? I do, because I'm slightly hungry. Can I have one? Yeah, just come over, scoot over, you know? Don't be shy. Now, obviously we talked about this in the last uh, commentary we did, but um, how awesome is this intro sequence with no text or titles? It's 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 awesome. It's one of the... I, I would put it up there as one of the best intros for uh, any of the animated series for Batman because it it really just sets the mood for what you're about to get into. Absolutely. You pretty much know it's Batman from the, the first kind of instant, just the tone and, and the style and everything. You just kind of automatically know that it's, it's Batman. And I think that's something very rare in titles these days where they try and sort of throw everything at you and as much information and featuring stars and all sorts so you know it's nice to have an understated one and I mentioned this in the last commentary that we did for Batman the Animated Series but the title cards are absolutely awesome I, I, I think it's mm-hmm. really cool and it, it to me it throws back to um, some of the older cartoons from the 60s and 70s where they would always have a title card and this is fairly common for a lot of the Bruce Tim animated stuff, but it's really cool to see a specific title card made for each individual episode. I remember reading the, that their approach to that was sort of treat these episodes as mini movies and kind of give them all really different feels. And I thought uh, that was a really neat a way to approach a Batman cartoon. Yeah, I think the title cards are one of the coolest things of them too. Because one, you you know the title of the uh, of the episode, which sometimes can be tough to find on a lot of different shows. Is it me, or do all bad guys though in this in this series seem to have a monobrow? I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I seem to remember pretty much most of the the gangsters and things like that have have a monobrow. I think it's 
That's the animator's making a political statement. <laughs> well, it allows for quick identification of who the bad and good guys are, too. Yeah. Monobrow, bad guy. Two eyebrows, good guy. I remember what I just remember what happens to this guy. And when I was a kid and I first saw this, I oh, well, you should probably save her when it happens. But uh, this is a pretty intense. Yeah, I think this is pretty, actually, a really clever way of of doing his his powers and and incorporating that Zeus feel. I know Stella's a big fan of Greek mythology, and 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 so am I. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Zeus was well known for throwing thunderbolts, and I think this is a really clever way of of getting that over and and making that link to the mythology, which is obviously what his character is rooted in, because he was a history teacher. Um, in his original origins, whether that's changed in the new Fifty Two, I don't know. But I think that's very clever. I love that explanation. Oh, if the tires weren't there, then he'd totally be toast. But now he's still alive, or he looked like he got shocked to death. And two here in the beginning, we don't know that Maxi Zeus doesn't actually have powers. You know, because right. we haven't gotten to the whole. You know, so there's kind of that the first time you see it, like, well, are they going to play this where he actually, you know, has some type of, of powers or connection with the gods? You know what's also kind of interesting is that um, I've read, I've read a few Maxi Zeus comics because um, he, he doesn't appear all that much. I read him in um, mainly like like pre Nightfall. He appeared in Batman and in Detective Comics. One of those issues was like some sort of Wonder Woman story crossover. I forget which it was, but uh, yeah. Like, when um, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say it, that's when uh, the children of Ares try and uh, resurrect Ares, uh, and it's his death as well. Interestingly enough. Ooh. He also appeared later on in the Chuck Dixon's Robin series, and um, one of the carrying-on themes that I got was that um, not not really talking about the quality of him being a villain, but like his actual effectiveness wasn't nearly as like domineering and dangerous and threatening as it is in this cartoon. And I thought that like that was that was another kind of thing we did. Like we talked about you know how they made Mister Freeze a much more threatening villain in Heart of Ice. In this uh, show, they kind of do. They kind of do it again where Maxi Zeus, I think he's he kind of has the reputation of being a bit of a joke in the Batman Rose Gallery. And, and this episode, uh, they kind of play that up, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, he's, he's extremely dangerous. Yeah, he has always been a joke in, in the comics. Um, I think that, that comes from the fact that he's, a, a, I think, a Silver Age villain. I always get confused with which, which uh, era is which. but. No. I'm not sure. I, think, I really, I really don't know when he, when he first appeared. He, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure either. But I, I think actually there is potential for you to do a really dark story with him because, it, it, again, referring back to mythology, Zeus tends to have a a, a perchance for uh, attacking women, um, <laughs> usually in <laughs> in in the star, you know, disguised as an animal and things like that. And I, I think actually, if if you wanted to bring him back in the New Fifty Two and make him a bit darker, that would be actually a really interesting route to go down. And you have a lazy eye just like Mad Hatter. I'm not sure when he's, he's Silver Age or not, but he, he definitely feels like a Silver Age character. He feels like a, like a 60s Batman show character. Yeah, he does. He, he definitely is more of a, a throwback of a character. Especially here when, you know, he's he, he's played as kind of like a, well, kind of a nut. Yeah, he's he's mentally ill in this in this series, which actually kind of adds to the to the. Um, it kind of adds like to like the, the the dour nature of the episode because he is just a normal guy who who went crazy and like they don't really go farther. Than, I love this bit actually coming up. This entire sequence 
into this the commercial break is awesome. Yeah, with when, when this is interesting because I mean, and I really like this part too because if he is nuts, which he is, and we, oh, we awesome. talked about that. <laughs> this is how he would see Batman. I mean, he sees everything through his own kind of madness. You know, well, it's really cool to see, like you know, he thinks of Batman as like rising from hell and rising as as Lord Hades as he's shaped in shadow. That's that's awesome. That's a pretty cool trick. Yeah, I think it that's down to uh, Steve Suskind who does the voice um, and and tragically died in two thousand and five. Uh, I think he really brings his character to life, and he, I don't know what he's done, but he's he just it feels like he gets the character spot on in, in all his reactions and I think in, a, in somebody else's hands he could, you know, he would have turned into the Aquaman of uh, the Brave and the Bold where he's just a, a, a pop joke and it wouldn't have been as effective kind of looks like Aquaman from Brave and the Bold with that uh, mighty beard isn't that kind of like the calling card though John, Re- really? And I agree with you 100% of, of, of a lot of the stuff they do in Batman the Animated Series though, is they take a lot of things that could be played for laughs very easily, and have been played for laughs in other mediums, and they make them serious and relevant somehow. Well, yeah. I guess what... Uh, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, like, that's what they kind of... I'm going to say that's what they did with the Riddler, because he had been played darker in the comics, but I remember the first Riddler episode... He's trying to kill somebody, and um, he's very upfront about it. And I think that, like, they made a concerted effort to really give these guys threat to be worthy of how dark their Batman was. And I don't, I don't think really any of these villains can be played as jokes, except for, like, I, I don't think I don't think there is a, there is a villain, uh, for the most part, that he, that's not taken seriously. I think as well that's the nature of the, to do with the nature of the show, that I, I love these winged harpies, <laughs> I think they're really clever. Um, but yeah. I think that's to do with the nature of the show as well. I don't think it would have fitted, and it, it certainly would have ruined the tone if they'd have tried to have jokey characters in the style of the Brave and the Bold or Teen Titans. It just it would have ruined it would have ruined what they were trying to create all the way through because they've said a number of times that they were trying to go for the darker, more brooding Batman. But there, I mean, there are moments of lightheartedness in it, but they're sort of dark quite dark bits of humor well not only that but like those shows came out later where this is sort of like a lot more daring when they did this is before the darkness be kind of became uh traditional this is like kind of where the idea of such a batman cartoon that took the stories and characters this seriously was new and you know this would make it successful i do like the fact that the, the henchmen kind of like don't they're not nearly as into the the greek stuff as he is they kind of like you know, oh just, they're, they're just humoring him or whatever yeah, they both have unibrows. Yeah, I mean, to them, it's just the boss's... Sorry, sorry, John. It's just the boss's eccentricities. Right. Uh, it's a paycheck, isn't it? Um, but, I mean, they they do make appearances in... Uh, he has a number of, of henchmen, and he names all of them after characters from Greek mythologies as well. In the Robin miniseries, he has loads of... Uh, not Robin miniseries, the Robin main series. has loads of, loads of them. They're all from minor deities and things like that and it's nice that they moved it across that he keeps thinking of them as, as these minor deities as well isn't it kind of interesting how for some of the villains in Batman the Animated Series they always have you know a significant other in some way shape or form I'm gonna bring it up <laughs> and, Batman, and Batman has to go to them and try to understand them better by talking to the significant other they did that with Two-Face um, Man-Bat and, yeah, man bats. 
There's some in more. So, yeah. in, in, in some way, I mean, if you look at Mr. Freeze, he had a significant other. It's not like Batman had to go to him, but they involved that person. Harley Quinn was the counter for uh, Joker. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's, 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 there's a lot more females, even if they are just supporting characters, m- more so than any of the other forms of Batman media. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun, a funny thing, but I also thought, I actually think it, uh, it flushes the story out and flushes the characters out because a lot of times this really would be like, you know, sort of like, you know, a guys club kind of show. Um, I'm just thinking like, thinking like for instance, the uh, the Ninja episode where Batman goes to Japan to beat up Kyoto Ken. Like, like one of the key scenes is where he saves a, a martial arts student, a female martial arts student. And like, I think that like, she, uh, she kind of provides, she kind of flushes out the plot, but like, uh, otherwise, if she weren't there, it really would have been just like this sort of guys club, which would be sort of exclusionary to uh, female viewers. So I suppose it was sort of a concentrated effort, but it works well for the story. It doesn't feel contrived. When it, I, I agree with Donovan there. It really makes the the characters seem more than two dimensional. You know, they're they're not just a villain. They're a you know friend, a father, whatever. Yeah, you know, the different villains you're talking about. But yeah, I think it's really cool. This is really good. <laughs> I, I, I like this uh, this portrayal of Max Caesar's a lot because he's so he's kind of like that Aquaman thing because he's so is up in his own oats and like he has so much conviction that, yeah. that even the henchmen don't even know what what he's referring to sometimes. Please don't hurt the jobs. Yeah, I like that. I like that scene. Now, how do the henchmen like find Cleo and like threateningly take her from the elevator? Then like she just comes out of the door randomly. I guess she doesn't have enough henchmen. <laughs> they turned their head and forgot. It's time for their coffee break. They're in a union. Although they probably could be a henchman's union in Gotham. I mean, there is enough ne- needed. I don't know if it was in a comic book or or an episode where I saw one guy say, I, I miss working for the Joker or something like that. Yep. This is like, I don't know if this is intentional, but it's kind of reminiscent of the Hindenburg uh, blimp. I miss blimps in Gotham City. We need more that, blimps. That was always well, a really cool thing. Well, the problem with that was that it, it kind of dated it. Because, I mean, who uses blimps anymore? The French. Yeah. <laughs> the French is always the French. But isn't like it kind she, of... I mean, go ahead, Dom. Go ahead. No, I was like, I like how she says he could have killed someone as if, like, he clearly didn't. Like, that thing could have killed, like, hundreds of people. Yeah, the better remark may have been, you probably kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice moment, too, where, like, he kind of dropped out of it. This is a nice moment, too, where he zaps the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's nuts now. He's, like, he's like a psychopath, which... Because uh, he's, not, he's not a raving homicidal psychopath. He's just delusional. So it's, it's a nice... It's a nice iteration of uh, the crazy villains. Well, in um, Cacophony... Um, a, a comic that is decidedly a lot of noise. Um, he he is he is delusional, and, and Batman basically talks him down by giving him a massive dose of uh, antidepressants um, to <laughs> basically persuade him to come back uh, and to hand himself in. So, you know, there is there is form there for him to be sort of back and forth. This is like. The Batman anime series, like to a T, like him in the shadows, sort of like lurking around with a flashlight, falling into a death trap. Like this is like, 
Uh, this is one of those times where you know you just show if, what what is Batman the anime series about? Show him like this scene. It's really dark and moody. And the series always did a well a good job in my opinion of, of seeming like a comic book. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there's got to be some plot, but there's there's got to be some action too. Oh, I like this scene as well for all its nods for um, to sort of ancient Greek mythology as well, sort of the three-headed snakes and um, and, and sort of different bits and pieces that, that actually really bring it to bring it to life and sort of is a nice tie into into the history again. It's I know Dustin's uh, all about the history, but I'm all about, about the history about in a slightly different way. Yeah, I was gonna say that that history is a little bit further back than I'm normally keen to. <laughs> Get Stella in here. You know, it's, it's also a funny thing in this show that like he also he always ends up maybe not always, but every now and then he fights a really dangerous animal. I remember this. He fights like a panther in um, one of the Rachel Ghoul episodes. He fights an alligator in a Scarecrow episode. So um, I suppose that could be coincidences, I guess. But it's always funny to see Batman struggle against like you know really dangerous things that that, that could ex- that. They do exist in real life. That's kind of cool. And he cheats right here. It's just a gigantic boa constrictor or something. Yeah, I think an, I think it's meant to be an anaconda. Okay. As oh. Indiana Jones says, yeah, it's snakes. I hate snakes. Not a big fan of snakes myself. I like this because like it's a it's really a wall, right? It's not actually a, a hallway. This is really I'm I'm really liking this episode. This is really cool. I forgot how how tight this episode was. Yeah, that's that's, that's a surprise. This guy keeps a lot of wild animals around, doesn't he? Well, uh, these are uh, as I was saying, these are all tied into Greek mythology. The boar um having to think really hard and I'm sure Stella will kick me if I get it wrong is uh Heracles sure has right. to defeat a boar, so um, that, another, that's the reference. It's another thing with the uh, Zeus. Like he's so callously like like thinks he's killed off Zeus. Is like or not Zeus? Uh, uh, you know Batman. He says farewell, my dark brother. And, like he doesn't blink an eye. That's that's tight. So like, are we all are we all in agreement that like Maxi Zeus in the comics isn't really played up like this as much? Now I've, I've mi- I may have missed some appearances, but uh. Um, well, this, I was gonna say this. This is really cool. I think. I think it's kind of similar in a way. I, mean, I don't think it's exact, but isn't he mostly, as I remember it, was played as kind of delusional? He wasn't actually a, a Greek god, you know. Yeah, that's that's how I always took it in the comics. I always took it as he just was. Something yeah. happened to him that really made him believe that's who he was. Yeah, yeah. I think like like it's basically the same, but like he. I'm not sure if he's shown to be as effective uh, in the comics as he is here. And again, again, I'm not read every appearance of him, but like in the ones I've read and in the reputation he has, I sort of think that's that's the the status quo for the character. That's cool. Well, in, in his his origin story originally was that he was a, a history teacher who specialized in Greek mythology, and the loss of his wife basically crushes his sanity, um, and he he basically just goes completely mad and thinks that he's a, a, a Greek god um, so he's never been played sure. as a, a sort of someone who 
has magical powers or anything. He's always been played as a delusional character, but he's never been really played that seriously. Uh, Carcophony and the the Robin storyline that he appears in are, are really the only ones who's ever really taken him seriously. I mean, in Nightfall, when Bane um, breaks them all out, he right. basically runs into a, into a tree... And that's yeah. how he stops his escape. He just runs into a tree. Yeah, he's, he's so, like not looking in like, you know, that's, that's Maxi Zeus down, Yeah, Yeah, pretty pretty much. So he's always sort of been taken as, as quite a big big joke. But I do think if if you treat him right, there is, there's a really good, interesting story to tell about him. Well, do I you hope guys, somebody does. Do you guys remember Arkham Asylum or Grant Morrison? I'm sure you guys do. Maxi Zeus in there was really interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the, he was, you know, he, beginning, it was kind of the same thing. He was so delusional that when he runs into uh, Batman in Arkham Asylum, he calls him like a, what is it? A, he calls, but he, he refers to him as something other than, than Batman, like a, a, someone finding their way. And he's obviously still in his own world where he believes he's a Greek god and kind of has names for everybody, even though he's going through the electro uh, shock therapy and all that. So <laughs> The book is crazy. That's a crazy book. But Max Zeus is really cool in that book. That's one of the times I remember him as, I remember him being in a book where it stood out to me. I think Batman's like fake died like three times by the, by the post, by this point in the show. Like he always thinks he's killed. Like there's a lot of times where like he looks like he's dead, but he's actually not. That's his number one move. That's his go-to move. Better question is why didn't Batman just disarm the the device instead of just moving it so he could release the girl? Uh, because they needed the dramatic ending. Yeah, there was like two oh. minutes left in the show. I love this. I, I gotta talk about this because, like, this to me, I, I don't think he should survive this. He looks like he would probably die. <laughs> like, watch what happens. Which is yeah, crazy. it's Saturday morning cartoons, though. They, they you know, they can't, they can't show. Even still, yeah. like, they, first of all, he is electrocuted to all hell, fires okay. off yeah. his gun, and, like, like stories up. Watch how far he falls. He falls all the way down. <laughs> That dude is dead, man. <laughs> and then the, the big slam on the ground, like, God. That's, I, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, wow, he, he totally should die. Now, this, is, this is the best part right here. Oh, is yeah, by far. Yeah, completely agree. Love this scene. I forgot about this, yeah. This is really good writing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is... The, this yeah, the only is... catch is Janus was from Roman mythology. Right. I love the Joker one. This seems to be a thing of the tongue. <laughs> the better question <laughs> is, why are all of them allowed to stay in their, their uh, costumes? I was just about to say, because like, didn't Joe say that once? Like, they're all, like, you know, they're not they're not in straight jackets like he is. Yeah. This is inconsistent for this uh, cartoon series. And they let Poison Ivy have plants in her cell. Alright, so as the uh, ending credits air, uh, so what do we think of this episode? That was really cool. I, I enjoyed that episode a lot. I can't think of anything wrong. I mean, there's some silly stuff there, but I thought it brought forth a good discussion, but honestly, it was really fun to watch. The animation was great. Maxi Zeus was really effective as a villain, and uh, like the way like the way like it was kind of directed with Batman, you know, doing shadowy stuff, which he always does, but I thought this was like a really solid episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's um, it, it is probably my 
favourite. It's I don't think it's a class. You know, anybody else considers it a classic, but it's great animation. It does interesting things with the character, and and takes him in a, a new and and very different direction, which I really love. And and I think it's a, a great interpretation of him. And and it's it is fun at the same time. It's a little bit more light-hearted than some of the other ones, like uh, Heart of ice the one that we we've just done so you know I, I definitely definitely love it and i you can see why i picked it now yeah I, I really i really liked it um again it shows that you know to have a great episode of, of any of the animated shows doesn't have to be focused on one of the main uh one of the main villains and i i think of, of the episodes i've seen that that ending sequence in arkham asylum might be my absolute favorite ending of any batman the animated series episode now that i've seen it again that's really cool and yeah, it's uh I, I always really liked the ending to that episode specifically because it has the little cameos from the other characters and uh I think that one of the the coolest things about the episode is that it it further reaches that character out from outside the comics as I said before you know it it does the character you know probably more than just normal justice um, as far as the depiction goes from the comics, it actually builds the character and makes him um, a little bit more of a prominent character for for people who are watching the show for the first time who may not have read the comics. Uh, it gives that character a, a, a good chunk of, uh, I, guess, I guess the best word is justice, as I said before, but I think they did a really good job with it. So, um, I forget, Don, did you rate the episode in the previous ones? Uh, I didn't, but I'm not. A, I'm not averse to doing it. Okay. We won't do it. It's fine. Just because it's TV shows. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, Fire from Olympus. Uh, be sure to check the Batman Universe commentaries for all of our other commentaries that uh, we are releasing. We hope to have a number, and as I mentioned earlier, be sure to email your suggestions to podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net to let us know what you'd like to see in the future. Any of the Batman animated series or even Justice League are open. We do plan on doing a bunch of them, so just send in your suggestions and we'll see what we can do. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and all of the news and editorials on the website. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is John. And this is Ed. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries. We'll see you guys next time. Praise be to Zeus. I am the god of thunder. I'll let that one go. Oh, hi, Thor. (laughs) Now, this is truly Olympus. Surely it can be no other place. There's beautiful Demeter, goddess of the harvest. And double-faced Janus, lord of beginnings and endings. Mary Hermes, the trickster of the gods. Now at last, mighty Zeus is home.